Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. On today's Patriot Nation podcast, we are joined by the one and only Phil Perry from NBC Sports Boston. You know him. You love him. We're here to break down uh, the playoff matchup against the Buffalo Bills. It's a heck of a show. So buckle up and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands he has. Pass. Wilson, quick throw. And it's good. our favorite guest definitely the best looking guy in boston sports media i told we we talked about this already it's true we appreciate you coming on thank you so much for uh for making time in your busy schedule with your 96 shows on on uh nbc sports boston and uh we can't get enough of the content so that's why we had to bring you on with us too you guys know i love coming on with you happy to talk with you anytime especially this week i love it that, that we, we get to finish off this trilogy this week because I've loved this matchup every time we've had it, whether the weather's a factor or not. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot as familiar as it is for all of us. It is a fun matchup. So I'm psyched to talk about it with you guys. Yeah. And I, and I was obviously, you know, everyone was watching that game Sunday night to kind of figure out who they want, you know, who the Patriots are going to play. And, you know, you can make the case that Cincinnati maybe is a, is a little bit of a more favorable matchup for the Patriots simply because of the inexperience on their side, you know, Taylor versus Belichick, however, you know, how much stock you take and stuff like that. But I was rooting for this. I think it's, it's great for football. It's great for the rivalry, right? I mean, you know, they, they split one and one, the bills came in into Gillette stole the division. I think this is a nice, this be a nice little cherry on top. You know, you win two out of three, you get the bragging rights going into next year. And I also think it's, it's big for their future, right? Because, Bills get Tom Brady out of town 20 years. They finally think they can run the, the AFC East. And then, boom, here comes, you know, Mac Jones and a new era of Patriots and, and kind of start knocking on their door of a division that they thought, you know, that they could run for the next, you know, five to 10 years. Um, so, yeah, interesting. I don't know your take on, and I know Bill was asked about it and, and some of the players this week about the film familiarity and how much that, you know, may factor into the game. I don't know. What's your take on that? Is that is that big, you think, in a, in a game this magnitude? Well, I think it helps your preparation, but I, it helps on both sides, right? I mean, the Bills yeah. are as familiar with you as you are with them. And, you know, what's nice about it is you don't have to rely on, you know, some advanced scouting of a team like the Bengals, who you hadn't planned to see all year that you that they hadn't seen in person um, as of about a week ago. Uh, you know, and that's something they typically would like to do. 
before a potential matchup, get that sort of in-person exposure. But with the Bills, you don't have to worry about that. So there's a lot of ground that they can cover without having to actually cover it this week as they prepare. You know the personnel, you know the scheme, you know the coaching staff. It's all about on this specific night, this specific matchup, with all the injuries, you know, now fresh in people's minds and and being able to adjust for whatever those are. I think you can kind of dial in your game plan a little bit more specifically than you would in a normal week uh, or, you know, certainly against an opponent that you hadn't yet seen. So not only did you see the bills twice, but you saw them twice late in the season, right? Just a couple weeks apart. So I think that part of their prep will um, be pretty easy to clear if it hasn't been cleared already, you know, as we sit here Tuesday night and you can get really into the nitty gritty about all of the details that, that you want to hit um, starting now starting early in the week. So I think it helps. It just, it just makes it a different kind of prep. I don't know who it benefits, you know, you know, if we're talking about the matchup specifically, you know, I do think this bills team is just the more talented team. You know, I I think their defense does not get enough credit guys. You know, they've gotten run over at times this year, no doubt about it, whether it's Colts or the Titans or the Patriots at home. So, you know, that's something that could benefit them, new England, but their defense is legit. Um, you know, when I checked last, I think they were number one in the league in DVOA. Like they, they are. That's what David Andrews said too. And I, I had to check it because I was like, but they are. Yeah. So they are legit and they're going to do some things that are going to confuse Mac Jones. And, you know, we talked about it on the breakdown last night. Um, myself and Ted Johnson, you know, that cover two trap coverage, whatever you want to call it, where they kind of baited Mac Jones into making a bad decision. That's the kind of thing that the Bills live on, right? They mix up their coverages. They play zone. They play man. They've got versatile defensive backs. They make it hard on opposing quarterbacks. They made it really hard on Mac Jones here at Gillette Stadium just a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, less than 50% completions. It was a it was a slog through the air for the Patriots in that game. And so their defense has to be on point, and they're going to have to run the football. It's going to have to be – the formula that we've known they've needed all year long to beat good teams, you're going to need that formula on steroids this week because I don't think you can really lean on your passing game this week. You have to know that going in. If it becomes a passing game for New England's offense, I think they're going to be up a creep. I mean, you talk formula, and the formula for them, I think step one is avoid the slow start. And everybody in the world has talked about slow starts this week. It, it, it's Tuesday, and we've all heard it a million times. How do you think they can avoid that? And against Buffalo, a team that they've seen twice already in the past six weeks, do you think it helps that they've seen them? Or, or maybe it hurts them that Buffalo you know, has an idea of how they want to attack? Here's my solution, Keegan. Smelling salts. Load up. It. Load up on the smelling salts. All right? Let's just get it going. I don't know if it's the pregame meal. I don't know if it's yes, the speeches. It. I have no idea what it is. But you've got to figure out a way to just have a little bit more energy to start these games. That's what's most alarming to me. It's not that the execution's not great. It's the energy, the focus, the the self-inflicted mistakes. If you just get beat by a team that's more talented than you, that's one thing. When you show up the way you did in Indy or the way you did at home against the Bills, and I think <laughs> to, to people in the organization – um, that night when they were playing Buffalo, 
second time around. And they were just baffled at the start, baffled, because it was one of those situations where you say to yourself, if we didn't learn from what happened in Indy just a week ago, when we went into their place, it's a fine team. It's a good team. It's not a great team. And we know that now they don't even make the playoffs. And they had the second best quarterback of the night on that side, you know, even with Mac Jones throwing two picks that night in Indy. What I was told is, you know, if we didn't learn from that game, you know, what are we doing here? Right. How can we start with this kind of energy? It was it was inexcusable. And then they do it again in Miami a couple weeks later. So I have no idea how to explain it. I don't think they know how to explain it. That it's not it's not hard to get up for a game like this too, especially in all those ones right. you mentioned. Maybe week eighteen, right. right? Like you kind of figure they're it's a place you've had struggles before, and it's tough with week eighteen. Like okay, okay, if that's the first time, but Buffalo Indy, like how do you not get up for those games, especially this Saturday? Even the Miami game. I mean, there's still yeah. the division's still on the line. It's still up for grabs. Yeah. Especially right. halfway against... through the third quarter, it looks. Yeah, you know, maybe that's a clearly inferior team. It's not a good offense. You let them drive down the field and score easily on a busted coverage deep in the red zone. And then you come back and on your first pass, first third down of the game, you throw a pick six. I mean, you can't draw it up any worse. That's what's, yeah. that's what's alarming to me. That's what gives me pause with this team going into the playoffs where obviously every game you play, if you play more than one, is going to be against a good team. And I feel like we haven't seen them play a good team at their best. Every time they play a good team, they shoot themselves in the foot. So I have no idea what to expect from this. If they play a clean game, I still feel like they could be probably anybody in the conference. I really, I still believe that maybe I'm a dummy for feeling that way, No, but, but, but it's hard for me to say that with any confidence because we haven't seen them do it. So that's what, that's what gives me pause with this team moving forward. And you said it, you know, on, on Tom's podcast, that came out, um, Tom, Tommy Carnes podcast about how like they're just small things. And if they can fix those small things, then they can. And it's like, but they, you just keep saying that they just, all they got to do is fix these small things. And it's like, they just don't fix them. And I think the play that's so indicative for me, I think it was the first drive of the game against Buffalo where they throw a little, a little flat route to Devin Singletary and Kyle Duggar goes over there and gets dragged nine yards and Singletary picks up a first down, and Collins comes over to hit him and gets blasted too. It was just like, what are we doing here? It's Devin Singletary. He's on the sideline. Just push him out of bounds. And he gets dragged for a first down. It's one of those ones where you're kind of like, what in the world are you doing? And and it's just so indicative of their lack of energy and lack of focus at the beginning of the game. And I don't know what that is. Is it is it, you know, is there a confidence issue with them right now? I yeah. I wouldn't blame them if there was. I think they were the most confident team in football leaving Buffalo the last time they were there, right? That was the loudest locker room I'd heard as a Patriots beat person following them on the road. We haven't been, obviously, in the locker room, you know, since COVID hit. But as far as being right outside and hearing everything that's going on in there, man, they were whooping it up. They And, and they should be, right? That's the epitome of, like, a toughness win grind it out, division opponent, puts you in the driver's seat, you're the number one seat, you're going into your bye, and you just showed the entire world on Monday Night Football that you are the baddest team on the planet. You don't even need to throw the football to beat a good team on the road. You just stomp on their faces and win. And I think that's how they felt. And they came back after a week off, maybe feeling sorry for themselves a little bit, as Mac Jones told us, because it wasn't as long a bye week as they wanted. It was a late bye, and 
and I get that, but the fact that that's even creeping into their brains, I think, is a little bit of a red flag. Yeah. And then you show up and you don't show up first quarter, second quarter against Indianapolis. I, I think there's a little bit of a – the way I termed it after the loss to Buffalo was a little bit of an identity crisis because I think they thought they were one thing leaving Buffalo, and then a couple weeks later – it was like their world came crashing down on them. And I know Bill Belichick said the other day, they don't lack for confidence. And I, I believe that they believe they can beat anyone when they play cleanly, but even they don't have all that much evidence that they can play cleanly, that they can put it all together against a good team. So they're going to have to do it for the first time, really almost all season. Right. I mean, think about their quote unquote, good wins. I think their best win during their warning streak was the chargers who ended up not even making the playoffs. I shouldn't say that. The, like, I think we all kind of like use that Bills win as like an outlier because yeah. it's such a weird game. That's their best win. But outside of that, it was the Chargers, and they're not even a playoff team. So well, and then, I wouldn't and then blame them the, if, there, if there was like a little bit of a, a shaky confidence thing going on right, right now. Right, and the Browns didn't get in, which was a convincing win. The te- the Titans game was a convincing win, but they were without Henry, um, A.J. Brown, and Julio. So like – all the teams that they played in there, even though that even if they were playoff teams, you know, were were sidelined, right? And and the Browns didn't have Chubb or Hunt, right? So it was like, yeah, you played some of these teams, and you know, the Browns, of course, and I'm not you don't even make the playoffs, but like, you know, you play some of these teams, but still they're not they're not at full health when you play them anyway. So, you know, that's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I, I can certainly see where your confidence could be a little shot because you're like, well, maybe we're not as good as we thought we were, you know? Well, and I think you know, when you really look closely at some of those games, even the convincing wins, you know, I would leave the Browns out of this, but I can think of a couple like the Titans game. Uh, you know, the Titans game was a game for a full half, even though they basically brought a JV squad to Gillette Stadium that day. Yep. I did not think that was one of Mac Jones' best games. He had a very good game statistically, but when you look closely at his play that day, I just didn't think he was off on a lot. Yeah. And you know, against a team like that, that's really shorthanded, that's missing guys, you can get away with some mistakes and it can still look good at the end of the day. Against a good team, fully staffed, it's hard to get away with those things, right? They turn into pick sixes that put you down 14 nothing, or it turns into a second interception against Indy and now you're down multiple scores and now you're scratching and clawing to try to come back. So, you know, even the Atlanta game, the Atlanta game, they went 25 nothing, right, on the road. That's a nothing road crowd. There were, I would say, the stands were half-filled. It was an yeah. incredibly strange night from that perspective. But they got a pick six from Kyle Van Noy late in that game. You scored in the teens against a defense that's not very good, that doesn't have much of anything in the way of star power. A.J. Terrell, I, you know, he's an impressive young corner. And I didn't think that was a great game from the Patriots offense and from the Patriots young quarterback. So like, I think they got away with some things that maybe flew under the radar for us because the teams they were playing were shorthanded or just weren't very good. When they play good teams, this team's margin for error is very, very slim. They have to play cleanly. They have to take care of the football. They have to play lights out defensively. And when they don't do those things, not only will they lose to the good teams, They'll lose to the mediocre teams, which I would say Miami is, which I would say Indianapolis ended up. So that's got to be the concern moving forward is if if you don't play clean because those margins are so slim, you're going to be going home early. Yeah. 
you mentioned you mentioned fully staff. I just want to get this in real quick. Buffalo feels like the healthiest divisional champ that we've seen in a while. That like what do they have injury wise? You know, just looking on paper, the Patriots have a couple things hit them this week with with Win leaves the game, Barmore leaves the game. Things are looking up there, but then Mills today put on the COVID list. Who knows if he's going to be able to get back? So to to break it down a little bit for you, just one question: How do they how do they replace Jalen Mills if if he isn't able to go on Saturday? Who's the guy that steps up? Because we've seen Joe Williams just they don't even want him on the field at times. Here's what's and I never thought I would say this as as one of maybe the biggest Jalen Mills detractors before the season started here's what's scary about not having Jalen Mills never thought that I'd say that if they don't have Jalen Mills right right I guess you know we'll leave open the possibility that he's able to come back he's able to test out if they don't have Jalen Mills I think the response would be Jawan Williams opposite JC Jackson outside so number one that to me would be a concern because Jawan Williams has just simply not been very good when he's been given opportunities. And there's a reason we haven't seen very much of him. Actually, the last time we saw him in a critical spot outside of this past weekend against Miami, where they were shorthanded in the secondary was in Buffalo and JC Jackson came out for a snap or two and Jawan Williams ends up on Stefan Dix. And, from a Patriots perspective, thank God there were 50-mile-an-hour wins because Stephon Diggs beat Jawan Williams easily, and he had a pass just clang off his hands in the end zone, what I thought was a great, maybe the best throw of the night from Josh Allen. Yep. But they saw that he wasn't in the game. It was the second snap, I think, Jawan Williams was in the game. They found the matchup. They said, we got Jawan Williams out here on our best receiver. All right. Go deep, Steph. Let's see what happens. And they should have had a touchdown on that play. So that's number one. That's that's a concern. But number two is I think schematically it, it hurts you because you can't end up with that matchup. So to me, that means you can't play zone. Like you can't risk playing zone and end up with Stephon Diggs on Jawan Williams because you're you're asking for a big play, right? So now you're playing man. Okay, Patriots want to play man anyway, right? The issue playing man and playing man consistently against a really athletic quarterback, we saw it against the Dolphins this past weekend. Yep. We saw it against the Bills. The risk is your eyes are turned because you're running with receivers down the field and you're letting arguably the best athlete on the field, you know, pound for pound, and Josh Allen have wide open rushing lanes because nobody's watching him in the secondary. And if he gets through the defensive line and the linebacker level, he's often running for 25, 30 yards. And the Patriots front against some of these quarterbacks hasn't been all that disciplined in terms of keeping these guys in the pocket. I think Matt Judon has been one of their worst offenders lately. He's been awful. So that so it's a, it's a trickle down effect. Okay, you think it's just Jalen Mills? It's not going to make or break anybody. Okay, right? Well, if it ends up changing what they have to do schematically, and now you have to get away from some of the zone stuff that you had done through the middle part of the year when you were really really good defense, and now it's all man all the time, and you've got those guys locked down. All Josh Allen needs is a little crease with right. guys man-to-man eyes as opposed to quote-unquote zone eyes and you have an explosive player on your hands that that to me is a little bit of a scary thought for the Patriots well and that's the thing to think about with Mills is that he was brought in to be the third or fourth wide or, or fourth corner because Gilmore was on the team at the time John Jones on the team at the time and so he gets thrust in the number two spot of course which is not good 
But now you're talking about if he's out, now you're looking at the fifth or sixth option at cornerback is playing the number two. And against a team like Buffalo that has Gabe Davis, who will be back this week, who wasn't, who didn't play against the Patriots in week 16. Uh, Beasley will be back this week. He didn't play week 16 and Diggs on top of that. And Dawson Knox, who can, who can catch the ball at tight end. Like that's not good. It's not a good thing. I, I honestly, guys, I honestly would think about instead of using Juwan Williams, and I'm not sure they would ever do this. Um, I would think about using Cravon LeBlanc, who they just I, signed to their practice. I almost today. 2016, 2016 UDFA. He was like, I loved that guy, and they let him go, and he was he balled out for the Bears his first year there, first well, few and, years, and then he's man, he's been eh since. But I, I just you know, and, and maybe he's better suited for the slot. Okay. You want to play him inside? Right. I'd throw Miles Bryant outside before I play Juwan Williams outside. If Sean Wade is healthy, I might use him. I just – I can't see how they would feel confident in what Juwan Williams can do out there because even the positive moments that he had in training camp, they oftentimes were had against Nikhil Harry. <laughs> Nikhil Harry, you know, as as nice a camp as Former he had. Former first-round pick. I know the I know the Patriots were happy with the camp that Nikhil Harry had, and it was you know talking to people's, well you know why would we release him? Look at the plays he's making this summer. I don't know he's making those plays on Jawan Williams, and those guys went back and forth, and there were days where Jawan Williams was the better player, there were days where Nikhil Harry's the better player. Turns out neither of them are very good, right? right. So, like I just in in your biggest game, I understand you not wanting to to trust somebody who either just came in or is a practice squad player or isn't necessarily suited body type wise to play in a certain area. But Juwan Williams has put together a, a body of evidence that would suggest he's not the answer. So it would surprise me if they, they leaned on him, but they're in a spot right now, guys, where they're just so thin. They may feel like they have to. Yeah, I, I the, thing with, the thing with the bills too, is like, and, and part of it makes me, you know, somewhat confident in this game is I feel like Josh Allen needs to almost be all world. To, to really beat them, right? Like, they beat themselves. At the, one of the worst Patriots games of the year, um, you know, a few weeks ago, and they were a pick from J.C. Jackson away from potentially winning that game, right. right? And that was arguably Josh Allen's best game of his career. I think if he's if he's half of that, I think it's the advantage to, to New England, especially given the conditions that will be in uh, on Saturday, whether you, you know, factor that in or not. I just think he's going to have to be just as good as he was, you know, a few weeks ago for them to be successful. I think that was his best game, Spags. I, I given the stakes, right? You factor those in on the road against a good defense, which the Patriots were, you know, they were great. De- I still think they're a good defense, but they were a great defense at the time. That's what we were thinking of how they how we were thinking of them. And for him to play the way he played, I mean, sidestepping pressure, stepping up in the pocket, throwing accurately down the field taking care of the football for the most part. He was dynamite in that game. I thought that was his cleanest performance in a big spot that he's probably ever had. Hurt them with their hurt them with his legs, hurt them through the air. I mean, he did everything. That that was the pinnacle of what Josh Allen can be when he's right. I don't foresee that happening again. Not only because, you know, law of averages but because it's going to be so freaking cold. I mean, it's it's going to be hard for him to throw in Buffalo. It sounds like the wind's not necessarily going to be a factor. It sounds like there's not necessarily going to be a lot of snow. But it's going to be zero degrees. I mean, 
we're going to be well below freezing. I just think it's going to be difficult for him to make hay through the air the same way he did in Foxborough a few weeks ago. Now it's going to be tough for Mac Jones too. So you got to hope that the score is just held in the teens and you can run your way to a win. But I don't see him having the same kind of performance. The only issue would be, right, I think we still think of the Patriots as the tougher team. If you watch that game at Gillette Stadium, I'm not sure you can say that at the end of the game. And, And Pat, you brought up the play at the start, and I think it's a great one to bring up. Kyle Duggar goes for a ride. I think it was Dante Hightower, actually. So you got two of your most explosive hitters on probably the smallest guy on the field, Devin Singletary. And he he runs through both of them. Makes a statement. Patriots did not look like the tougher team that day. So they need to find, you know, some good juju in Buffalo. And maybe maybe, maybe a trip to Buffalo is all they need. I mean, again, last time they were there, they thought they were the best team in, in football. But, you know, what we've seen from them lately it's got to be hard for them to watch the film and and feel good about their ability to just out tough out physical a team. I think they probably know it's somewhere it's somewhere in there and going back to Buffalo may remind them that they can do it. Maybe that's what they need for their confidence level, but right now it might be hard for them to get into that space. Yeah. Keegan, I know you have something, but before you do, uh, if you haven't seen this already, Phil, I know you've seen it, but if you're listening to the podcast, you haven't seen it, Pause the pod. Obviously, we're live right now. But if you're listening, you know, on your phone or whatever, pause the podcast right now and Google Cravon LeBlanc Patriots interception. His interception in the preseason in 2016 is one of the best, one of the single best catches I've ever seen in my entire life. That one catch, I was like, oh my god, this guy's going to be amazing. And of course, like, I mean, whatever. He was a UDFA, but you know, they end up cutting him, and and he gets he goes over the Bears, and he played decently for the bears but that one interception i was like oh my god that catch was outrageous he, so if you haven't seen it google it like right now i love that that's a great great callback that was a long time ago now 2016 man we're getting old i, <laughs> I know like five years ago i didn't think it was that long ago i thought he, for sure he guys he brady was, off they, a few years ago right too in, t- in houston i think he did yeah 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 he he I thought was guaranteed to make the team because it wasn't just yeah. that play. He was making plays in training camp. He was always getting his hands on the football, but I was the decision they made that year <laughs> is one that I will never forget. And it has always colored, you know, my, uh, any, any 53 man roster projection you see from me. Yep. You see a lot of special teamers in there. Was it bad Mosey? Well, so no, I, I thought the decision that year was between LeBlanc and John Jones. And oh, okay. we saw John Jones, you know, kind of work into the side with Matthew Slater and I think it was Joe Judge at the time. And it's like, okay, like, you know, and, and we knew about his background. He's from Auburn. He runs like 4-3. Really impressive. But he wasn't making as many plays as, Le, as LeBlanc was. Like, LeBlanc was, like, getting out there and showing up, like, on a daily basis, it felt like. But that decision that they went with John Jones over Cravon. Right call. Every, well, it was the, so it was the right call. Number one, number two, from there on out, anytime there's a guy who looks like a big time special teams contributor as an undrafted rookie who's going to be kind of like a reserve player, is not going to come in and start right away. Always, always yep. go with that guy in your Every projections. Time. Over sort of the other the guy, end, doesn't matter how many Ross plays he's made. Right? Go with the special teamer. Yep. That that's yeah. that would that decision was made for me at that point. And that's kind of what D'Angelo Ross is doing now too. He's kind of been thrown into some spots because of the the depth there too, uh, and he had an injury too, I believe. But he's working his way in. 
he's yeah, and he's a guy that's stuck for like like two and a half years at this point on the practice squad, on and off. And yeah. you guys know I like to throw things at the wall and see if they stick. Devontae Bosby, he's been on the practice squad like all year, I feel like, since halfway through the year. Maybe they give him the call up. Who knows? I just I just wanted to throw that at the wall. You never uh, know. You never know. Now, I mean, they've been great at finding these unheralded corners and turning them into something, yeah. right? So they Keegan they knows that every out. team's practice squad. Every single player on every single team's practice squad. Keegan knows. I it. have to differentiate myself from other people. That's that's how I do it. <laughs> we love you. For random. That. We love you for we that, do. Keegan. Tory Tory Hunter, his son got a got a workout today. Very excited about it. I'd love to see Tory Hunter's son in a Patriots uniform. Money, yeah. right? Money. Yes, he yeah. juggled. Dude, did you know that, that Phil, that Jesse Tuggle's son was uh was Grady Jarrett? Did you know that? I did not know that. I, yeah. I'm Keegan said that today on Twitter. I was like, what? He's I Jesse facts, Tuggle's baby. son? What are you talking about? It's unbelievable. It it could not make more sense. Again, Jesse Tuggle's true. true. We're getting old, guys. Yeah. Phil, talk about getting old. You. you know that 2020? I mean I'm sure you saw this online. 2020 is the same distance from 2000 as 1978 was. 2022 is the same distance from 2000 as 1978 was. Oh, uh, wow. That hurts. So think my about that. Try to think about that. Right. So, I mean, obviously, we weren't born in 1978, but like, still, it's just like 2000. I was, I was a sophomore in high school. So, so I'm like, I'm old, man. Meanwhile, Spags wasn't right. even born yet. But, anyways, keep going. Back to football. Uh, <laughs> postseason time. I think. You know, it's evident that Buffalo is, is much more comfortable letting Josh Allen run the football than, say, the first matchup when it was freezing cold and the wind was whipping around. They they didn't really give him the opportunity to do that. So with him, you know, they're going to let let it all hang out, right? Who do you think's a guy that they can put in the field to keep him not just contained but from breaking off these huge runs? Because we know he can do it. And all of the guys that you would think have just shown that they refuse to keep containment in the pocket. They just they won't do it. So, who who's the guy on the roster they can throw out there and, and have him do that? Well, so number one, you've you've got to just try to do a better job. I mean, you just you you can't say this is who we are. We're just a team that gets up the field and leaves wide open running lanes for athletic quarterbacks. So whether it's Kyle Van Noy or Matt Judon or man Christian Barmore, if somehow he plays, I I still as of right Jackie now I mean, practices tomorrow, but. And he was on the he was only limited on the projected injury report today. But Lord, uh, feels like what we saw from him last we saw from him that it was kind of a feels like kind of a long shot that he'll actually right. be really effective. But right. um, whoever it is, number one, you've got to be disciplined. But that said, something that they have done in the past with Josh Allen, again, because they like to play so much man to man, is they've used a linebacker as somewhat of a spy and it has been a linebacker and the guy that I'm thinking of is Jamie Collins. Now maybe it's Kyle Van Noy because he's got just a bigger role in this, this defense. I think those guys are viewed as almost interchangeable types of pieces. They could play on the edge. They could play at the second level. They're pretty athletic, you know, so, but Collins, I can remember a few years ago being the choice um, in that regard to just shadow Allen. And you may see them sort of insert themselves in the rush at the start of the play. And then once they are uh, accounted for by an offensive lineman, then you see them drop out and just read the quarterback. And, you know, that's, that's one way to kind of number one, occupy an offensive lineman so that he's not, you know, maybe double teaming another player who is supposed to be part of your pass rush. But number two, 
you get those eyes on the quarterback that you need. If everybody else is in man and everybody else is focused on their assignment, you have to have somebody that's tracking that that quarterback because you know he's such a run threat. So to me, it would be maybe Collins. You know, athletically, if you're going for like a one-for-one or you're going for like a little bit better option, because I think Allen's probably more athletic than Collins, as athletic as Collins is, it would probably be Kyle Duggar. But I think you probably need Duggar in coverage, right. whether it's on Singletary or whether it's on Dawson Knox, you're probably going to see some sort of exchange of responsibilities between Phillips and Duggar on Knox and Singletary or whoever the back is. So I think it's probably going to come down to one of these linebackers. It'd probably be Kyle Van Noy or Jamie Collins. That's why I threw Uche out there because I feel like his role is just could be Uche. He, he played five snaps last week. They were all pass rush snaps. He ended up getting a coverage sack, but that's a guy that he he's just not playing right now. He's not, and it could be him because you know again great athleticism, right? I, he's faster than either of the guys that I just mentioned. Um, and if you have him out there and you and you want to only do that in those obvious passing situations, he'd be a good choice for that. I think that's how he's viewed right now, though, is right. pass situations only. Because if you've got him on the edge and it's a run situation and you yeah. set the edge no bueno. tackle or even a tight end, I'm not sure they feel real comfortable with him in that right. spot right now. The same way they don't feel real comfortable with Chase Winovich in that spot right now. So I was just gonna say, those guys are viewed you, as you, sub-rushers, right? Yeah, you, we thought, I thought all offseason too, because he popped a little bit. I knew he was hit banged up a little bit last year, but I thought Uche would have a much bigger role this year. And I, and I know, you know, Collins came back and Van Noy, some of those guys that, like you said, can play on the edge, play in the second level. A little bit of what he'd offer too. Obviously you have a little bit more experience. Um, I'm still interested to see when kind of they let him loose or, or he kind of carves out a role for himself uh, going forward because I liked what he saw last year, but this year it's been, I, I guess, a sophomore slump. He's had a tough time getting on the field. Uh, well, he had a great play. camp. I'm not sure. Yeah, I thought so too. The, the reason he's not playing is because of him. You know, like this, it, you know, different positions, different situations, but it sort of takes me back to the conversation of, you know, Damian Harris when he's a rookie. Right. People are wondering, why isn't Harris playing? Why isn't Harris playing? What's going on? Like, why can't we get this guy on the field? Because the, their offense was not very good that year, 2019. But the easy answer was Sony Michelle is available. He hasn't been hurt. And when right. Sony Michelle is available, they want Sony Michelle out there. I think right now on the edge, when Matt Judon's available, when Kyle Van Noy's available, they want those guys on the field. Like, there's no reason to get Josh Uche out there because they just like those other guys better. They think those guys are better than, than Josh Uche right now. So I think that's part of the reason. I mean, he dealt with some injury this year too, but I think that's, that's what you're looking at. I'm not sure it's, it's anything Josh Uche has, has done or hasn't done. I think it's, well, we've got these other two players that are just better than Josh right now. So unless something happens with those guys, you know, and to me, Judon, to me, Judon looks like not himself. And so, you know, that would be one what's going on. Maybe get Josh Uche out there a little bit more. But he has totally disappeared over the course of last month. I mean, he hasn't had a quarterback hit or a sack since they were in Buffalo. It was week 13. You know, we're week 19 now. So for somebody who was arguably not just the MVP of the defense, but the MVP of the team for the vast majority of the season, to not really be making plays, it makes everything harder. Again, margin for error, very slim. When your defense isn't performing the way you would expect it to. And specifically when the best players on your defense aren't performing the way you would expect them to, it's going to be really hard for them to win. So 
J.C. Jackson needs to have a great game on Saturday. Matt Judon, to me, needs to have a great game on Saturday. That's the, that's what you need to continue on to, to stay alive in the tournament because it's, it's in all likelihood, it's not going to be the rookie quarterback that carries you. It's going to be need to be the defense that carries you. And for the defense to play well, they need the pass rush to be there. They need Matt Judon to be there. Honestly, they really need Christian Barmore to be there. Those two guys, Judon and Barmore together, changed the way they were able to play defense. And if if both of those guys aren't themselves against Buffalo, I think it's going to be really hard for them to win there. And before before kind of we let you go and wrap up, I, I need to ask you a question. I've always meant to ask you kind of when, you know, when I see you in person just to kind of get your opinion on it. But Jonu Smith, what's the deal with him? Because I, I always felt like, and not to compare him to the player, because I think there's, you know, he hasn't helped himself much either, but in a sense of a little bit with Nikhil Harry, right? Like the fit maybe not there. They might not be able, they might not be utilizing him in the right way. Like I always felt with Nikhil scheme touches and getting the ball to him in space and letting him make plays with the ball in his hand was the best way to, to kind of get him going, right? You didn't really have a quarterback that could throw the jump ball and, and play outside the numbers. What's the deal with Jonu? Because you've seen him, you know, take some jet sweeps and, you know, line up in the backfield a little bit, but it seems like as a pass catcher, I don't know if he's just not catching on as fast as they, maybe they had expected, but this is a guy who can certainly help your offense, certainly help your football team. And it just seems like there's just not a lot of connection there with him in the, in the playbook and, and Mac Jones. I, I don't know what it is with him, but it would be nice to get him going this late in the year. I don't think it's going to happen. But I mean, you you spend all that money on a guy like that, and he's getting three, maybe even maybe four targets a game. It's been less than that lately, right? I mean, last week they could have used him last week in Miami, one touch, one carry, five yards. And like you that's know. where I come in with Nikhil. Like it's like, is it him or is it just they're not getting him the ball? Is it you know what I mean? Like I just don't understand it. I think it's it starts with him. Yeah. And they're not getting him the ball because of what's going on with him, right? Behind the so, scenes, yeah. you know, I think it was pretty telling when Josh McDaniels a few weeks ago called it sort of a foundational year, I think is how he termed it with Johnny Smith, meaning he's still trying to get it. And there's clearly a lack of comfort, lack of confidence whenever he's targeted down the field. I mean, if, if you guys have noticed, especially lately, when he's getting targeted now, it's bubble screens yep it's short passes it's it's quick hitting stuff down the field stuff has been completely uncomfortable and i would say you know borderline dangerous because a saints game i mean it's not just him right like like mac jones targeted him twice down the seam in indianapolis i think in both instances probably not a great decision on the quarterback's part because he kind of was throwing into a crowd. But there's a, there's something going on with Johnny Smith that I think makes it difficult for him to just track the football down the field. There's a disconnect between seeing it, getting his hands ready for it, and actually completing the catch down the field. On, on Again, on these short passes, he's okay. But, you know, I go back to the Saints game and the pick six right off his hands in that Saints game that really – changed the game right at the start of the second half there. I think from then on, I think he's been scrambling for some confidence. And, um, you know, from I think from that point, you understand as the Patriots that, okay, 
we can't rely on him as part of our passing game. We can incorporate him in our passing game, and he can be a piece, but he's not going to be a go-to type of player for us. And anytime we do get it to him, it's got to be schemed. So it's a handoff, it's a pitch, it's a toss, it's a, it's a screen. I think that's just where they are with him right now, and they're hoping in his second offseason with the team. This is a guy who, just as a quick aside, for people who don't value OTAs, and that used to be a regular conversation late in Brady's tenure here. He did not go to OTAs. He went to mandatory minicamp, which everyone did. Uh, he got hurt on the first day of mandatory minicamp. So he basically got one day in the spring with the Patriots. And I don't know if having more days in the spring would have made him more comfortable and would have shored up his hands and would have made him a bigger factor of the season. But watching him now, it feels like it couldn't have hurt. You know, so I, I think he, he's the ultimate. If, if Patriots coaches want to go to their guys who are either, you know, they're free agents who are just recently acquired or they're veteran players that they're trying to encourage to come to the spring, that would be the first player I would bring up. And maybe he wouldn't do it while he's still on the roster. But you say to these guys, listen, this guy decided not to come all spring and he didn't get it. It took him a full year because right. that's just what it looks like to me right now. He's still just, he's just not where he needs to be to be able to contribute consistently. I mean, remember that they signed him first, and then the next day they signed Hunter Henry. I mean, imagine right. what this offense would look like if they had only signed John Smith and not Hunter Henry, who Henry's been basically shut out for the last four weeks. But, like, you know, well, not Indianapolis, but, you know, outside of Indy. Henry was, like, Henry was pretty good late in the in the game the other day. Yes, my, that's true. Yeah, they that is true. You're right. Field. But, but you're right. I mean, you know, it's just – it's when you don't have – a lot like we haven't really talked that much about Mac tonight, but they don't have a ton of dynamic playmakers. They're better. They're better off than they were last year. But, you know, I think that's one reason for for, you know, why Mac is where he is and where he's been for the last month. You know, I think primarily it's him. Right. I'm, I'm not blaming the weapons for the pick six right. or the fumble or for the two picks in Indy or for the pick in Buffalo. Like, I think it's mostly him. But if so, you had a go to guy on third down or you had a real explosive dynamic threat when you're playing from behind, I think it could make the rookie quarterback's life a lot easier. I, I had a tweet earlier today. Tucker Boynton does a great job tweeting all sorts of sort of advanced numbers, especially when it relates to quarterbacks across the league. He had a, he threw up a great comp today, which is one that I've, I've looked at in the past, which is Joe Burrow's rookie season and Mac Jones's rookie season. Pretty similar there. I think right now you're seeing a huge leap from Joe Burrow in part because the weaponry around him mm -hmm. is so dynamic. He's gotten better too. There's no doubt about that, especially when pressured. He's been phenomenal when pressured this season. I don't know how um, consistent that will be moving forward in his career, but he has the best receiving core in the NFL, arguably. Mac Jones doesn't have that right now. And so, you know, had John U. Smith worked out, I think you be seeing a little bit more consistent performance to end the year from the rookie quarterback. So that was a professional segue, segue by you, Phil, because I wanted to bring up this tweet by uh, NBC Sports Boston. Uh, your employer, by the way, um, is saying, well, that it's wasn't a great station. Up. It's a great website. Just want to say that. <laughs> uh, they tweeted out today for those of you that haven't seen it. If Mac Jones struggles early Saturday night in frigid Buffalo, in the frigid Buffalo conditions, should the Patriots let Brian Hoyer play a series or two as a poll, which by the way, 20 Stiddy, 20 Stiddy's time. Finally, 
22% of people, of the 19,000 people that voted, 22% said yes, which is complete insanity. But what in the world? With what, what the hell is that? <laughs> Phil, you want me to take like this I one? Said, I, wish I, could, yeah. <laughs> I wish I could tell you. Um, listen, maybe the fact that 22% of the people responded the yeah. way it tells you that you know, it was banging around in somebody's brain at our offices and need them. Right. Hey, let's get this. They need cam back. That's, that's what they, those are the cam guys. (laughs) All right. Let's, 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 let's shift gears. Let's stay on topic, but also shift gears and and just talk about Mac. Right. By the way, that's, that's 4,000 people for you math people out there. 4,000 people said, yes, play Brian Hoyer of Mac Jones struggle. 4,000. Yikes. I mean, Anyways, 4,000. And, and you know what? I understand it if people are – not that people are choosing Brian Hoyer over Mac Jones. I don't understand that. I understand, though, the people who have questions about right. the rookie quarterback now because of the way he's handled the last month of the season. And because, again, to me, the errors are – self-inflicted on his part it's not that the protection's been a disaster as it was the first month of the season if he played this way the first month of the season we'd all be looking at it and saying well look the guy's on on pace to set a record in terms of quarterback hits absorbed like you'd be throwing picks left and right too if you were facing the pressure that he was facing on a weekly basis but that hasn't been the case the offensive line's been okay the running game has been okay the weapons while not out of this world are relatively healthy and available. You know, Henry's around. Jacoby Myers is around. Kendrick Bourne is around. Like, I think he's gotten tired. Uh, that's the, it's really the only explanation I have guys, because to me, in terms of the decision-making stuff, he's, he's making mistakes that he was not making early in the season. And maybe part of that is that the rest of the league has a better idea of how to defend him now. I thought it was really interesting, the Hard Knocks episode that came out after the Colts game. You know, they followed the Colts, obviously, in season. You had defensive coaches, Dave Borgonzi's linebackers coach for for Indianapolis, pride of Everett Mass, but he's telling his guys, he's a good quarterback, okay, he's accurate, all that, yep. But if we can make him uncomfortable, it's going to lead to stuff like this, and they flash to a you know, a, a scene from the all 22 that he's showing his players where he's throwing in your pick against the Titans. I think it was, you know, Frank Reich ahead of that game is all about, we need to pressure this quarterback because if we pressure this quarterback and if we make him uncomfortable, we're going to be okay. I think that's, that's proven true, especially in the latter portion of the year. And he's got, he finished the regular season guys as the second most frequently blitzed quarterback in the NFL. That doesn't happen by accident. It's a copycat league. Teams see that they can get after Mac Jones a little bit, make him uncomfortable, and you have a better chance of him making a mistake. And until he proves that he can hurt teams when they decide to do that, he's going to continue to see that. The Bills are going to blitz him. When the Bills were here at Gillette Stadium, two out of the first three snaps of the game, they blitzed him. He got one bad, ugly, uh, basically throwaway on a sort of a screen attempt and one sack when he was blitzed to start that game. I thought he was sped up the rest of the game. He ends up with some awful, just heinous numbers through the air. 
at home against a really good defense. Same thing's going to happen this weekend. To me, I, I, I can't explain it other than I think he's tired. National championship, getting ready for the draft, quarterback competition, seasons on your shoulders as a rookie for a storied franchise, and you're essentially replacing Tom Brady. It's a lot to deal with, and I think he's he's kind of gotten to the end of his rope to, to a degree, which, again, is why I say if they go anywhere this year, it's going to be because of the defense and because of the running game and because they take care of the football. He has to be able to do that. He got an F from me in my report card. I'm just I'm, – I'm a nobody. Never played the position. Not a coach. That's not true, Phil. Nobody. But that's the lowest grade he's gotten all year. I thought that was the worst game he's had all year was in Miami because he turned it over twice. He put points on the board for the other team. He took points off the board for his team when he fumbled that snap. And in what is essentially a three-point game, I know they scored at the very, very end, but that was a three-point game, and he gave them at least 10, right? maybe 14. And you're the starting quarterback of a playoff team. He's a rookie. I get it. He's had, Overall, it's been a great season for the, for the year, for the franchise, for the organization, big picture. It's a good year because I think you found your quarterback. But you are still the quarterback of a playoff team, of a team that wanted to contend right away because of all the money that you spent in free agency this offseason. Not just compete, but truly contend. And the way they're playing right now, they can't contend. And if they lose in the wild card round, they were not contenders. And that, to me, um, you know, there's been a lot of discussion at our station and other places. Has this been a successful season? I think big picture because I think you found your quarterback. Sure. But given where they were in the middle of the season and given where my expectations were for them, where they were situated for this team um, when they left Buffalo that day as the number one seed in the conference, if they don't win a playoff game, it's hard for me to call this a successful season because this team was built to win today, right now. I, I know they're still maybe technically a rebuilding team, when you spend that kind of money and you put this team together after a seven and nine season, they had, they had no, they had no appetite for being a mediocre team. And to me, a wild card round exit is mediocre team. you're not a good team. 2019. At you're more of a mediocre team. Right. I agree. I agree. All right. So I think that's great conversation there, man. Dark blue gold, uh, you know, Commenting up the storm, we appreciate it. I think he's right. We're seeing definitely seeing some sort of rookie wall here after a long season, and you know, seventeen game season. So I can see that too. You know, mm-hmm. but one thing I wanted to chat with you about, and we're running a little bit long here, so we're going to let you go in a bit. But um, you know, during the game on Sunday night, which was an unbelievable game, during the game on Sunday night, I texted our group chat and I just said, you know, is it weird that I'm I'm rooting for the Raiders to win because I want to play the Bills? And, and here's my reasoning, right? I think the Patriots are going to be underdogs in both games. I think the Cincinnati matchup would have been a really difficult matchup, as the Bills are a really difficult matchup as well. But, and I'm going to pull up this tweet here, or this this comment here. Jay Spence was on our show when we previewed the Bills last time. He's a guy from Buffalo Rumblings over at, uh, over, over, um, on SB Nation over there. New England taking this out, right? I love, I love Jay Spence. He's a good guy. But how amazing would it be? If the Patriots were to walk into Buffalo on Saturday night and walk out with a victory, when the Bills thought, nope, oh, this is our division, Brady's gone, we went to the AFC Championship game last year, we're all set, we won the division two years in a row, 
and the Patriots walk in with a rookie quarterback in what is essentially year one of the rebuild and beat you at home in your place in the playoffs. It's To me, it's unlikely because I don't think they're going to win, but I think it's certainly possible. And to me, beating Buffalo would be so much more sweet than beating Cincinnati. And so that's why I was rooting for the for the Raiders to win. It would be more sweet for Patriots fans, I think, right, to beat the Bills in Buffalo, bury Bills Mafia, right? <laughs> and, and honestly, was it Jay Spence? Is he the Buffalo guy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know how Jay Spence was feeling specifically after that loss in Buffalo, but I talked to Ty Dunn, um, who, you know, he writes for a website called Go Long. That's his site. He's, he, in my opinion, he's one of the best football writers we have in the country. Really tapped in, but covered the Bills for a long time and is, is still tapped in. And I remember hearing from him soon after that Buffalo game, and it was – Everything you're saying now was something that was already being felt in Buffalo at yep. that point in time after that loss. It yep. was embarrassing. They got beat up. They were out physical. They're they're a soft team. And Bill Belichick just came in and he clowned you. He clowned you, Buffalo. And people were upset with not just the team, but with the head coach and their ability to I think mentally withstand the things that the Patriots were throwing at them. So the, the discourse out of Buffalo after that game was dramatic as hell. I mean, it was like the sky was falling. We talked about it here. Yeah. Yeah. That bills, the, the bills beat reporters are the most irrational group of beat reporters I've ever seen. Cause they, <laughs> they buried that team. Like five Buried minutes him. after the game was over, they not they a single. Did. I mean, everybody in the country saw Jerry. I, I, I blanking on the Jerry name, Sullivan. but asking Jerry Sullivan, Jerry Sullivan, asking you know Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer if they were embarrassed. Like that's that's the kind of people we're yeah. dealing with. So I think I think no matter what, that that group of people is they're going to be irrational about it. I think but they saved their, their season second half of the Bucks game, like to, to lose. To then get to get embarrassed by the Patriots at home, and then get embarrassed by Tom Brady the next weekend, I think they would have been done. They would have tanked, and you know they came. Credit to them, they were getting blown out in that. They were getting embarrassed in the first half, and they came out in the second half and they fought their asses off and almost won that game. But even though they lost, it was enough for them to to like take a deep breath and be like, okay, we're fine. Like what this is, we're not dead. We're fine. And, and so you know, I think that for them that. That, to me, I thought saved their season. And they carried them, that momentum into Gillette Stadium. Yep. Right? And yes, they did. put together their best game. So credit to them. After getting embarrassed the way they did, they bounced back. They still win the division. They're the ones hosting the playoff game, not the Patriots. Right. And so they should feel good about where they're at right now. To me, the Bengals was the better matchup because I think outside of the receiving weapons that Cincinnati has – Buffalo is a better team. I mean, they've got yeah. the better quarterback. I think they've got the better coach. They've got the better offensive line. They have far and away the better defense. And the coach. So, the coach is a big is the biggest one for me. I mean, I think Bill Belichick coaches circles around Zach Taylor. Yeah. So to me, it would have been Cincinnati, and that you know, I think, um, you know, you might get some elements in that game too that would favor you. You know, Cincinnati yeah. isn't necessarily 
Orlando this time of year. So I, I think, you know, you'd be, you'd be in a good spot there, but you know, Buffalo's not unbeatable. You know, I think the Patriots, again, if they play a clean game and I'll keep saying it, I've said it after just about every single one of these Patriots losses, (laughs) their mistakes are not that hard to correct. It's not that hard not to line up over the center on a punt. Right. It's not that hard to not throw a pick six on the first drive of the game. You know, like the defense as bad as they were in certain moments and they were not good. They did give up 20 points in an NFL game in 2021, you know, like that, right. That should be enough for you to win a football game when you're not playing, you know, necessarily the best defense in the league. So I think they can win this game. And I think if the weather's bad enough and I'll be there, so if I'm cranky enough, if I'm having a bad enough time outside at Orchard Park and I'm I'm just miserable because the weather's that bad, maybe I'll pick the Patriots. I, I can't say that, that that'll be my choice right now as we sit here, but we'll see how bad it gets. If it's snowing and it's sleeting and it's hail and it's pelting my face on pregame live before the game, which it was, and I'm just pissed off at everybody and I'm screaming at Matt Castle and I'm screaming <laughs> at Tom Curran, like – Maybe I'll pick the Patriots because they're better suited to play in those types of conditions. Yeah. I just think Buffalo is more talented right now, and the Patriots, the way they're playing, if they can't play mistake free, they it's hard for them to beat anybody. So you know they've they've just got to sort of dial it up in terms of their focus. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. We won't we won't make you choose. We won't make you we won't make you pick. Uh, we usually do game predictions at the end of the at the end of the show. I, I mean, right now I would say the, I would pick the Bills. But again, if the if the weather gets really bad, I'll, I'll pick the Patriots. But um, I think it'll probably be relatively low scoring. I'm gonna say Bills like seventeen thirteen. Okay. What a gross game! I love that'd it. That'd be awful. It'd be fantastic. It, it'd be awful. The more disgusting, the better, in my opinion. <laughs> what do you think, Keegan? What's your prediction? Uh, I said twenty six twenty earlier on another podcast, so I got to stick to that. Bu- uh, Buffalo. Okay. Spags? I think this goes to overtime. Woo! Patriots come up a little short. Yeah, I think it'll be a tight game. Um, I think. Do they play for the tie, Spags? Do they play for the tie? Yeah. (laughs) They go college style after like five overtimes. They say, screw it. No, I think it'll be a tight game just because of the the familiarity. I think the weather will be a factor. I just think it'll, like you said, it'll come down to a game inches. You know, who's going to execute better? Similar to that first game. Um, Yeah. And they were mentally tough then. Have they been the last since then? Not really. So, uh, their character and and you know everything else will be tested this week. Uh, but I think I think they come up short. I don't think this team's quite year, there yet. I think they're still a year or two away. Which nothing wrong with that. But um, I think they're they're not they're not there yet. They're not on the Bills level, unfortunately. I'm going to make it. A I hope clean, I'm wrong. I'm going to make it a clean sweep and uh, and hope for a bad vibes game for the Bills. With uh, with all of us picking the Bills here, so uh, you know we'll see. But I mean, I agree with kind of what everyone said. Like they're just not quite there yet. They're close. They're just not quite there yet. And the way the way that the Patriots defense has been playing, they're not. You know, we talked about O one and how like O one the defense really bailed the Patriots out of a few of those situations. And of course, Brady had that you know great drive at the end of the Super Bowl and you know whatever. But like for the most part, it was the defense that carried that team. And, and, you know, 
the way this defense is playing, they can't carry this team right now. And maybe, maybe at some point they will. And I know you know you keep saying they only they only gave up twenty points against Miami, which is true. It's a bad it's a bad offense that they shouldn't be giving up twenty points against with long extended drives, unable to stop the run. They haven't able to stop the run really all year long. So uh, those are the things for me that I that I worry about because. You know, now twice against Miami now, after the Damian Harris fumble and after you scored there, you had a shot where if you stop Miami, you get the ball back, you're able to win the game, both with around three and a half minutes left to go in the game, and you couldn't do it, you know. And so, of course, like that's it's one drive. Like you say, okay, it's just one drive, but I mean, your season comes down to one drive. Can the Patriots defense make a stop? And they have shown consistently that they can't. Well, and their defense, their defense just has to bail them out. Like, right, you know, they're not in that situation in the first place if the quarterback. Correct. has a better game, right? Yep. They're not in that situation in the first place. The first game, if Damian Harris doesn't fumble. Yes. But, you know, they, they are a team that needs their defense to be next level. It needs to be able to say, no big deal. You guys make a mistake or two on the other side. We'll pick you up. Right. We'll be okay. But I, I'm not sure. I think they're good. I'm not sure they're that good. Yeah, I agree. So, all right, Phil. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Before we let you go, uh, I'm everyone knows this anyways, but you got to tell us, you know, where you can, where they can read you and see you and hear you and everything else. And, uh, you know, we love your coverage. We love, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. And uh, always love having you on the show. Of course, guys. Thank you for having me. You can find all of our stuff or all of my stuff, I should say, at NBCSportsBoston.com. Um, you can find pretty much anything, whether it's video that we post to the website Links to our podcast, whether it's the Tom Kearns Patriots Talk podcast or the Next Pats podcast, um, at Phil A. Perry on Twitter. We've we've got a great Next Pats episode, I will say, coming at you in the next 24 hours or so. We're going to have Kurt Warner back oh, baby. with us. Oh, baby. He was with us um, a few months ago, start of the season, about a month in, to talk all things Mac Jones. Um, and he has a lot of thoughts on Mac Jones. And he said at the end of our podcast, he said, hey, check in with me at the end of the year. We'll see how far he's come, and maybe my opinion will have changed. So we'll get Kurt Warner on the podcast, and we'll see where he's at on Mac Jones uh, at this point in the year going into the postseason. But, yeah, at Phil A. Perry on Twitter, on Instagram, same deal, at Phil A. Perry. Uh, so I appreciate people checking us out there. That's great. And, by the way, I would like to mention – Dark Google with a great comment here. I would like to, uh, I would like to mention um, that – the original, the OG Phil Perry used to block you on Twitter, but we we rectified that situation like a year and a half ago. Do you remember this? Like, wasn't the original Phil Perry like uh, some musician or something like that? Oh, R&B, R&B legend. Yes, there you go. See? And I'm pretty sure he had you blocked, and then we got him to unblock you, I believe. I'm fairly he, certain he that that's the did. case. did. I remember this. He blocked me because he was getting a lot of, like, Patriots questions to oh. count. <laughs> and he was like, I'm done. I can't do I can't do it. This is Phil Perry. Again, legend. If you ever go back, go go and find, go and Google this right now if you're listening to the podcast. Google the Goof Troop theme song. All right. Phil Perry absolutely slays that song. It is go. unbelievable. The vocal talent that this guy has. It, by far and away the most talented Phil Perry on the planet right now. Great um, name. But, Honored to share a name with that guy, but he's been at it for a long time. I remember my eighth grade uh, field trip to Washington, D.C. I feel like everybody did that at some point in time. Yep. We went to, oh boy, Spags and Keegan are like, what are you talking about? Number one. <laughs> I, <laughs> I finished eighth grade in Texas. We went to the Alamo. Oh, it was terrible. That's kind the of, Alamo stinks. 
That's kind of fast. <laughs> but we went to a Strawberry Records, which you guys have no idea what that is. Pat, oh, them, God. Bags yes. Have no clue. Strawberry <laughs> Records. And I remember seeing Phil Perry, like, like just everywhere. CD, Phil Perry CDs along the wall. I'm like, this guy, I need, I need to get in on this guy. I need to know who this so guy good. is. Um, but, yeah, I think he did have me blocked. And he was, like, tired of answering, like, you know. Why aren't the Patriots using more 12 personnel? He's like, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Get out of my face. It's so. great. It's good stuff. So, well, thank you, Phil. We appreciate it, man. And uh, and hopefully we'll hope for a, for a win on Saturday night. But uh, but either way, it was a heck of a season. And, uh, you know, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll hope for an even better season next year. Right? Hey, if we're not talking playoff football next time we talk, we'll be talking draft or we'll be talking That's right. agency. So, Whatever it is, there's always something. There's always something with this team. So I'm sure I'll talk to you guys soon. I said to one of my coworkers today, I'm already looking forward to the draft. And she was like, the the playoffs are still – I'm like, I know, but I'm already looking forward to the draft. And she's like, you're a lunatic. Like, yeah, a lot man. of talent in that national championship. Sure game. is. All this sure was. Talent there. Oh, boy. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in.